Welcome, welcome everyone to the first episode of the Yellow Pie Piece podcast. A podcast that is, yes, a Trivial Pursuit joke, and at the same time serves to turn trivia into a lesson. How shall we proceed is that we are going to take a bit of trivia, usually in the form of a question, answer it, and then turn it into a little, a little lesson about history. Um, that is how we're going to try and just answer these pieces of trivia, and give you a bit more of a stab into what is history because there are some certain things that people know people don't know if they know and have forgotten I'm sure that everyone who is listening has forgotten more about history than they actually realize for our first episode we are going to take a look at the question was Julius Caesar an emperor of Rome so we're going to take a look at this question and then use it to give you a bit of more of a generic view of the history of Rome. Disclaimer, fair warning, this is going to be a rather generic view of what it is of Rome in the time of the past. It is not going to be a deep dive, nor is it going to be one about Julius Caesar. Those are a subject that we could spend literally tens, hundreds, and even thousands of hours on, and still not even be all the way done. We don't have time for this. Instead, we're going to focus on giving you a clear view and some more information about this period. So first of all, a bit of a history lesson on Rome itself. Rome was mythologically founded by the whole story of Romulus and Remus, children who were raised by wolf. In actuality, none of that. Instead, Rome was probably created at 21 April in the year 753 BCE, according to Roman historians. This is about right. Um, for the first part of Roman history, we call that the mythological kings, because there were a list of several kings, but we don't really know if they all actually existed, and if they actually did what they were being described as having done, because these were seen as horrible people. The last one would be King Tarquinius Superbus, who was eventually kicked out of Rome. That would then become the start of the Roman Republic. The, Re the Roman Republic itself would span from 509 BCE until just about 27 BCE, when the Roman Empire would be founded. Like you would suspect of ancient kings, almost all power lied with these men who usually contribute themselves to be sons of emperor, uh, sons of god, uh, demigods, and so on. After they were kicked out, the republic came, in which there was a form of the people, the way of ruling the 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 republic, unlike true democracy as it was in in the Greek polis, instead there is a more splintered, more fragmented version of democracy. There is more voting, but more of a structure in the voting process. Not every man had their vote, something that you can go into deep diving into how it worked, um, but it was less of a direct democracy compared to ancient Greece. And it would be precisely within this gigantic period of six centuries 
that we would find some of the biggest, most characteristics part of the Roman era. You have the conquest of the boot, the conquest of most parts of the Mediterranean Sea, of Europe, um, of Africa, even as far as into uh, the Middle East. Several wars, the big ones like the Punic Wars against Carthage, that would end with Hannibal crossing the Alps with his elephants. Um, you actually have the fact that Rome would come to Egypt under the rule of the infamous Cleopatra and would actually assist her in a civil war against her, uh, the actual ruler at the time. Um, these are all parts that really come to show the power of Rome during this period itself. Of course, with Rome growing bigger and bigger, starting from just a small gathering of uh, villages around the seven hills of Rome and Alba Longa, until eventually spanning an empire that would that would entail thousands, thousands of kilometers, millions of people, um, you needed clear and proper structure in the leadership and who took command. At the very height of the Roman Republic, every year there would be elected two consuls. You can imagine these as basically the big chiefs. There were always two to avoid that one could abuse his power and these two would rule together. One might think that having two different rulers that have equal power would become a giant problem. You would be wrong because in most facts one consul would stay behind in Rome while the other would go abroad or they could both take an army and go conquering, defending, whatever. Um, it allowed for a very fluid but strong and leadership that would be able to respond quickly to many crises. This is what kept the Roman Republic strong and able to fend off many people, especially in the early years when it was still growing and had to fight war after war after war against so many people, including the Gaul, the Carthage, uh, the Etruscans, and so on and on and on. Like I said, these two consuls ruled every year, and then at the end of the year they would be relieved of their duty, and there would come a new consul election to get two new consuls. These could be the same two people, if they did a good enough job they could get re-elected, these could be two new people, one could stay, the other could change, it, it all happened. Basically, it was an election. As we said, like in a republic, these consuls were voted. How was this part? There were several ways of voting, but the main way that would decide which consuls would rule that year would be a vote done by the Comitia Centuriata. Roman civilians, and only Roman civilians, so not slaves or freemen, would be divided amongst uh, groups of 100 people, and every group of 100 people would get one vote. All votes were tallied, and then the two winning winners would receive the power of consul giving them almost absolute authority over politics and uh, military affairs for that year. At the same time, the Comitia Centuriata also chose other uh, officials, but consuls were really the biggest deal. And alongside the actual consuls, you had the Roman Senate. Known for being a very big part of the Republic, the Senate was a gathering of people who belonged solely to the senator class, people whose family, uh, whose family members had 
in the past served as a consul for the Roman Republic. These were the very elite, the very rich, the, very, the wealthiest, the most influential people of the Roman Republic. Um, the Senate itself did not actually have direct authority, but it would be more like an advisory function, but their advice was next to always taken very seriously by the consuls and would almost always get used in their decisions to make military affairs, um, look at the budget for the, the Republic, um, and so on and on. So that's a little background on how the actual Roman Republic worked and how the highest echelons, as well as the highest leadership in the form of the consul, was elected. As you can see, consul, not a president, and definitely not an emperor, because you can't have an emperor in a republic. That would be insane. This is in France. As for Julius Caesar himself, for his early life, there is a very tumultuous history. It is... If you can, I recommend it. Read up on his biographies. There are many of them written. He had a very exciting, dangerous life involving intrigue, politics, um, rivalry, murder, brutal affairs, people being stabbed and pummeled in the street. Like, it was insane. Trust me. Uh, read it. Um, the One of the most fun anecdotes, I still believe, is that at some point during his military life, Caesar would go, uh, sailing, he would be he would get captured by pirates, who would then demand a ransom for him from the Roman Republic, whom Caesar himself would complain that the ransom was not high enough, and they should ask like double or triple the price they were asking. Caesar would then befriend said pirates, but give them warning that when he was returned to Republic, he would take control, smash the pirates, and then crucify all of them, which he did. He was a man who took his word very seriously. So during the entire Roman Republic, uh, you would have these two consuls that would hold power, um, with the sole exception when, for example, a consul was killed during the middle of the year, and then almost always the other consul would remain in power, usually by himself, or they could claim someone to be a dictator, imperator. This is not a bad thing. This is the time when a dictator was actually just someone who was given the supreme right uh, and supreme authority all by himself. Not the bad connotation that we give it nowadays as to a dictator. He's usually an evil, mean person. So many years this system would go on, consuls, dictator if need be, and the system went along for hundreds of years. Why is Caesar, who was not an emperor, so infamous for the rise of public? Very importantly, because he was one of the last biggest changes that drove the Republic into the transformation that would eventually become the Roman Empire. In about 60 before Common Era, Julius Caesar would become one of the consuls. During his entire life, he had spanned multiple and different positions. Uh, he would become governor of Gaul, he would be a censor, he would hold the office that allowed him to organize the public life in Rome using uh, the games that were widespread to achieve popularity. And Gaius Julius Caesar became a very, very popular man among the Roman masses. Not very much among the elite of the Roman society, but mostly the common people. They would bring him to his power. And so, once he finally became consul in 60 BCE, he would also have a second... Well, there would be a second consul who was basically almost powerless because... Gaius Julius Caesar formed what is called the First Triumvirate. Basically, 
the first a three men tres from the roman numeral number three and vir which is roman for men so the first three men who ruled basically with with caesar having the actual role as a consul and both pompey and crassus being very very wealthy and influential men who would assist him during his reign making sure that he would have the support of also the more elite people and enough money to wage his wars. One of the ways that the first triumvirate worked was to give Caesar enough power to assemble his armies and go on a almost decade spanning march and conquest of Gaul that would end in 51 BCE with Caesar returning victoriously and with a massive amount of booty, plunder, slaves, and riches. Unfathomably wealthy he became and used a lot of his money to make sure that he, con he would continue to have the support of the Roman people with the bread and games, as the ancient quote said. Their three-man union would last all the way until 52 BCE, when it fell apart because of Crassus' death in a war against Parthia, which is current day Iran. Pompey was the sole consul at that year. It was Pompey and Crassus then. He would serve by himself the rest of the year. Unfortunately, this also meant that the relationship between Pompey and Caesar disappeared almost immediately because eventually all the Roman common folk would gather behind Caesar and all the elitists, the rich people, would gather behind Pompey, and you would have a very cold relationship between the two men, who were, for almost 10 years, almost brothers in their alliance. And this cold relationship would eventually culminate into what is basically the first great civil war of Roman Republic, of Caesar versus Pompey. Um, it would also spawn another famous quote uh, of crossing the Rubicon, uh, which is also attributed to Caesar, um, to apply pressure on Rome by Caesar when he basically brought an army past this river and brought it close enough to Rome. And when Caesar's armies approached the city of Rome, Pompey and most of his political allies would gather their riches, their slaves, and flee Italy itself. And when they fled, Caesar would set in pursuit he would leave Italy in the hands of one of his most trusted lieutenants, Mark Anthony, which will be of use later, um, and basically took across the seas and would fight many a battle against Pompey and his many supporters until finally he would beat him, uh, his army, and cause him to retreat. Eventually, Pompey was murdered in Egypt, and by coincidence, Caesar joined the civil war in Egypt chose sides with Cleopatra and, well, won the civil war for Cleopatra. And that is how she became the pharaoh of Egypt. Uh, technically, she was actually seen as a pharaoh in Egypt, perhaps, but to Rome, she, she was just a governor of the Egyptian province and was basically sentenced to be a PR advisor for the Roman Republic as they drained Egypt of all of its grain and other food sources. After Pompey was murdered, Cleopatra was the ruler of Egypt, and Caesar returned to Rome a victorious man. 
he was elected to be dictator for 10 years and eventually called dictator for life. Again, this was not a bad thing. This just meant that he was allowed to rule by himself and did not have to rule alongside a second consul. He tried to push through civil reforms, many of which successful, which led eventually until his assassination in 44 before Christ BCE. Apologies. Uh, he was stabbed and murdered in the Senate by at least 15 senators, um, most famously Brutus, his adopted son. And with that, the last man of the first triumvirate, the first aberration of the normal ruling by two consuls, was completely dead. One would think that with that, it was over and we could go back to having two consuls sharing power, and you'd be wrong. And this is where basically the Republic dies, because instead of reverting back to solely two consuls or a dictator, instead there comes to life the second triumvirate, so the second ruling by three men, which would be Mark Anthony, the man that was trusted by Caesar enough to secure Italy while he went abroad to chase and murder Pompey, alongside his adopted nephew, who would was called Octavian, but would eventually be crowned as the actual first emperor of Rome, Caesar Augustus, and a third man, Lepidus. They believed that three men were necessary because of having to not only rule the Roman Empire, a Roman Republic, which was at that moment already rather big, but at the same time they could not let the murderers of Caesar go unpunished. This would eventually lead into Ant Mark Anthony and Octavian being the two biggest players, Lepidus retiring or dying um, before a massive confrontation. This would end in the Second Civil War, which would eventually end into Octavian fighting Mark Anthony and Cleopatra, who joined sides. But as we know, Augustus I became the first emperor of Rome. Mark Anthony and Cleopatra were forced to commit suicide in Egypt in 30 BCE. And eventually, Octavian would be the sole survivor. And he would then, in 27 BCE, after several years of reform and gathering up political, religious, and social powers, as well as the support of the people, would become the divine father and eventually be the first emperor of Rome. So with that, we have concluded our little history lesson. So Caesar was many, many a thing. He was proconsul, consul, governor, dictator, dictator for life. But he was never an actual emperor because he, well, he died uh, a good 16 years before the Republic was ever formed by his nephew slash adopted son, Octavian, who would then become Augustus, the first emperor. Starting also the Julii uh, dynasty of Roman emperors, so the first three or four would all be his. So with that, I hope that we have answered our little trivia question and given you a bit more of a background information on the Roman Republic and the early, early Roman Empire. If you yourself have a question about history that you would like to see answered and 
given a bit more background and information, you can email me at yellowpiepiece at gmail.com with your question or the general situation that you would like explained. I will then either turn it into a little question or a trivia, answer it, and give some more general background information. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, have a nice day.